This is the City of God podcast, where Christ meets culture. And welcome to the City of God podcast, where we are weekly talking about today's biggest cultural issues, all through the lens of God's infallible word. I'm Rob Pacienza, and as always, joined by my good friend and co-host, John Rabe. John, great to see you today. Great to see you, Rob, and uh, a Merry Christmas to you. Merry Hope Christmas. you and your family had a, had a great Christmas, and that everyone tuning in also had a, a delightful Christmas, which we just celebrated. And we're in that period of time uh, where uh, the world sort of shuts down in a lot of places between Christmas and New Year's, and and there's that whole period where everybody uh, has off work, and you start to forget, like, what day is this? What time is this? Is it 6 a.m. or 6 p.m.? It all just sort of blends together, but uh, it's it's the Christmas season, and we've got the opportunity today to talk about a topic that has been really central to what this ministry deals with, and that's the question of the idea of what if Jesus had never been born? A question raised by Dr. Kennedy and that we've dealt with in so many things that we've done. It's actually one of my favorite topics to discuss. Uh, As you mentioned, Dr. Kennedy dealt with this uh, in his classic book, uh, co-authored with Dr. Jerry Newcomb, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? And then just last year, uh, we, our ministry produced a documentary, which can be found online at djkm.org, where uh, we have the opportunity opportunity to explore not only the personal impact on uh, on sinners that are saved by grace through Jesus Christ, but also the the impact on civilization, uh, the the impact all throughout the world and throughout history, uh, seeing this one man, uh, Jesus Christ, who is man and God uh, coming into the world and absolutely transforms uh, civilization. Yeah, we're going to lay some of that out today because it's been my experience, Rob, that uh, A, a lot of even Christians don't really recognize the larger impact of Christianity. They recognize the impact of Jesus Christ on their own individual life and on their spiritual life, but don't necessarily recognize the the mass impact that Jesus has had on the world. And B, uh, they're extraordinarily excited to find out about it. Um, This documentary that we did, uh, as you said, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? We originally did a version of that uh, in 2001, and it was we, we wanted to bring it up to date because the content was so powerful. I I showed the 2001 version uh, in my own church in, I want to say maybe 2016, 2017. And people were electrified by it. They were just so uh, pumped to see, well, I had no idea that that Christianity's influence was was so powerful in so many different ways. But as I was watching it, one of the things that I realized was this is great content. It, from a production standpoint, it's extremely out of date. It, you know, since then, we've gone into high definition. Uh, you know, the production standards have changed and it looked really dated. So you and I and, and others here talked about we need to uh, we need to make the 
this special again, but make it for today. And so we did that. As you said, Jesus you can see it at the website. You can get the DVD at, the, at our website. You can also no download it. Western you can download it at the website, djkm.org. And, uh, uh, you know, it's available at Salem Now and other outlets as well. The, the, the program did really well Liberty. for us. But it's exciting to dig into some of these issues, some of these these aspects of life that, that Jesus Christ and the Christian movement have have utterly transformed. For instance, a lot of people just don't have any idea. There's this, there's this false idea that Christianity is anti-science. Mm-hmm. That uh, you know we're a bunch of obscurantists. Uh, like in inherit the wind is the sure. stereotype. Sure. Oh, you know, get your science out of here. All I need is uh, you know the 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 good book, etc. Uh, and then people are shocked to learn that that. Modern science is basically a product uh, given birth to by Christianity. Absolutely. Yeah, as you, as you said, uh, science is not an enemy of faith and particularly the Christian faith. Uh, in fact, uh, some of the greatest innovations and uh, scientific discoveries were made throughout history by Christians. It was Christians who understood that God is the creator of, of the heavens and the earth, uh, that he has created us in his image and he has created us to create and to explore and to innovate and to be productive uh, with the raw materials of the earth and to develop them uh, for his glory. And that certainly involves uh, the sciences. And it's interesting, it really wasn't until uh, the 18th century and uh, the the Enlightenment period Mm -hmm. and the age of reason uh, that uh, people started to say, well, no, you, in order to discover truth, in order to discover that which is factual, you actually need to uh, divorce yourself from faith and religion and uh, just look at the empirical data itself. Uh, but what's interesting is, uh, you know, that 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 we see uh, continuing even to this day uh, that even some of the, you know, athe- atheistic evolutionary uh, scientists still come back to uh, the reality that, um, no, there must be uh, a chief designer. There must be this idea of intelligent design because the atheistic evolutionary uh, theory of how uh, the world came to be uh, doesn't answer all of the questions as Christianity does. Yeah, and it also doesn't even make sense on its own premises. And by the way, I think of the 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 noted atheist, one of the the four you know atheistic horsemen of the of the new atheism of the 21st century, Richard Dawkins, uh, who is an evolutionary biologist, once defined biology as the study of organisms that appear to have been designed for a purpose. And uh, he then goes on to say, but of course that's not the case. But even he recognizes these. Uh, appear to have been designed for a purpose. Um, But even on its own premises, you know, uh, Dr. Kennedy liked to point this out that uh, science requires an orderly universe, an orderly universe created by a God with discoverable uh, properties that's governed by laws, which by the way, laws are by definition non-material. And so you you have this, this idea of, as the, the great Polish uh, astronomer who we talk about in the, in the program, uh, Johannes Kepler said, science is thinking God's thoughts after him. And uh, so we are discovering God's creation. That makes sense. And the early scientists were proceeding on that assumption. What modern uh, science often wants us to do is say, okay, 
Imagine a universe that just suddenly in a cataclysmic event for no reason or no purpose sprung into existence out of out of a, a singularity, out of a single point, just one day burst into existence out of all that, a, an utterly unrepeatable phenomenon, a once a, a one-time only phenomenon. And now from that, let's imagine that the entire universe is orderly and repeats itself and acts according to laws, even though it all came into being uh, according to no laws that we can tell and, 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 you know, came out of nowhere. It, it, it sets up a premise from which nothing makes any sense. So they have make sense. It doesn't. So they have to sort of ignore it. But even the, the supposed big bang itself to me, Rob, when you talk about that, Oh, wait a second. So you're saying all of reality sort of sprung out of uh, one point in time out of nowhere. That sounds an awful lot like biblical creation to me. Well, as I said before, atheistic evolutionary theory leaves you with more questions than answers. Uh, It is the Christian worldview and the reality of Jesus Christ coming into the world uh, that inspired uh, generations of Christ followers to uh, provide truth and real answers to the origin of the universe and uh, one of the many ways in which we see the impact of Jesus's birth and uh, the reality of Christianity making its impact and influence on civilization. Another area uh, that where we see Jesus's impact is on education, mm-hmm. a strong link between uh, the Christian theological framework and the education of uh, particularly the next generation. Uh, often uh, when you study uh, early church history attached to every church that was being developed uh, was the academy uh, that they understood. And this really goes back to the idea of the Hebrew academy and the idea of uh, the education of Hebrew children in Deuteronomy chapter six. They believe that education uh, happened all throughout the week, that it wasn't just happening on the Sabbath, but it was happening through the week that the law of God was uh, being impressed upon uh, the next generation, Uh, whether you walk down the street, when you lie, you know, lie in bed at night and rise on the city gates, uh, you are impressing upon the next generation, a biblical worldview. And that continued, uh, throughout with the rise of Christianity. They understood that with this is a thinking religion, Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, and so this idea of education for everyone really came out of, uh, the, the impact and the influence of Christianity before Christianity and the Greco-Roman uh, Greco-Roman world, mm-hmm. um, only the elites were educated. Uh, but all of a sudden, we have children being educated and women being educated because they understood that in order to live in this world, not of this world, uh, but to live in this world and to engage the culture as salt and light, uh, that you needed to think and have the mind of Christ. Uh, so we see uh, the incredible impact and influence on education. Yeah, the word to love the Lord our God with all our yep. mind, yep. among other things, and and uh, the the Reformation particularly then really yep. amplifies this movement. And and Rob, it's it's incredibly significant. It may seem obvious, but. Uh, the the revelation of Christ comes to us in a book. It, it comes to us in written form, and that is a, a a world changing idea. I mean, it originated. There were oral cultures that passed this down, but ultimately, the Bible is written for us in a book, and that has been an incredible impetus for literacy 
worldwide. Absolutely. At the time of the Reformation, uh, the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century, um, only uh, the clergy uh, in the Roman Catholic Church uh, were well-learned and well-read. And it was the efforts of uh, reformers like Martin Luther uh, and his doctrine of the priesthood of all believers that we need to get the word of God into the vernacular of all of the peoples of Western Europe at the time so that they might be able to read the word of God for themselves. But in order to read the word of God for themselves, they needed to be educated. Mm. Uh, and it was this idea that in, in order to be educated, uh, we need academies to be to be developed in the name of Jesus Christ uh, so that everyone could be learned, uh, not only the clergy, not only the cultural elites, uh, not only royalty, uh, but uh, the average layperson uh, could be uh, learned and well-read uh, so that they could study the word of God and then apply that word of God to all of life. And that's where we see the rise of the university. We see the rise of universal education, uh, all in the name of Jesus Christ and uh, not to mention uh, that when we see the American colonies being developed with the great colleges that we uh, think about today, um, Harvard and Yale and Princeton, for instance, mm -hmm. all started uh, as Christian colleges to teach individuals the word of God, to teach them the gospel and how that gospel would apply to all of life. It's sobering to think what is happening in those universities <laughs> yeah. in particular, uh, hundreds of years later, but uh, many people don't realize that they all started uh, because of the influence and impact of Jesus Christ and the spread of Christianity uh, throughout Western Europe and eventually uh, to the new world here in America. I didn't know it myself, and I, I came to work for Dr. Kennedy, uh, Dr. D. James Kennedy, in 2001. I'm dating myself now, but um, when I got here, I, I've learned so much in this job over the years, uh, you know, alongside learning from people like yourself and like Dr. Kennedy and Jerry Newcomb. And I did not realize that uh, education had been so Christian based. And, and we talk about that in the program, as you as you point out, uh, Harvard University is named after the Reverend John, John Harvard. Harvard. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Yale after the Puritan Elihu Yale. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, the sinners in the hands of an angry God, was one of the first presidents of Princeton University. Absolutely. Uh, all of these schools, all the Ivy League schools, Schools, with the exception of one, were founded by Christians for the education of Christian ministers, among others. And so, I think uh, that one statistic I read uh, during the Civil War: eighty percent of the colleges and universities that were being established here in America were founded by the church, were founded by Christianity. And just as we said before, uh, in the twenty-first century, unfortunately, uh, Christians get attacked as being anti-scientific. Right. We also get attacked for being anti-intellectual, anti but history tells a different story. No, we are pro-science, actually the leaders in, mm -hmm. in science and, and scientific discovery and scientific method in the same vein. Uh, we are pro-education. We have been leading the way uh, from the very beginning in the area of education, the development of the academy, the, the, the idea of universal education, because we really do believe in the priesthood of all believers, men and women, uh, 
uh, need to be educated to have the mind of Christ to engage culture faithfully. It's it, People are surprised to find out, too, that because of this educational impetus and this emphasis on literacy so that people could read the scriptures for themselves uh, and become enlightened by the word of God, uh, that has meant that missionaries have gone around the world and that uh, an enormous number of languages uh, in, in the world today were actually the product of Christian missionaries. There are many, many places that had a spoken language but not a written language, and it's Christian missionaries who end up creating a written language for a particular culture. And that even includes something as enormous as uh, the Cyrillic alphabet, which is what is used in, in Russia and the Soviet bloc countries and so forth, um, named after St. Cyril, that these are, are, uh, these are missionaries who are bringing languages and bringing writing into the cultures that they go to. And so it's, it's extremely important that Christians understand their history because we become cowed by this cultural narrative. Oh, you are the people who are against science. You are anti-education. You are anti-woman, which, by the way, is all wrapped up in this as well. Education for the masses, education for everyone meant everyone. For the it's child, Christians. for the woman. For, yep. It's Christians who first started educating women. Absolutely. It's amazing. So we see uh, the impact of Christianity and the birth of Jesus on science. We see the impact and influence on education. And I know a topic that we love to discuss often at this ministry and uh, to kind of round out this conversation is Jesus's impact on America and the founding of America. It's amazing to see. And we've talked about it before, uh, that while we do not claim that every founder was a born again evangelical Christian, mm -hmm. uh, we do claim and we we are uh, emphatic about this point uh, that it was the Judeo Christian worldview uh, that was the predominant worldview uh, at the time of the America's founding and was the predominant worldview that influenced uh, the founding of this constitutional republic, uh, the influenced uh, the founding documents of this nation and influenced the founders and framers as they were putting this nation together. Uh, it was the idea that uh, Jesus Christ had come into the world, uh, that uh, that we our conscience cannot be bound by uh, man. Our conscience cannot be bound by a king at the time, the, the king of England, uh, but our conscience can be bound by only uh, God alone and his word as it's revealed to us, and namely uh, through the life and the impact of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and it goes back uh, through the founding, even to the settling of, of the nation. And, and of course, we just celebrated uh, Thanksgiving uh, a number of weeks ago as well, last month. And it, that's the event where uh, the, the pilgrims give thanks. Well, they came here, as Dr. Kennedy used to call it, it was a church relocation project. They yeah. were separatists in England who wanted the freedom to worship God outside the constraints of the state, the state church, which they disagreed with, the Church of England. And so they broke off. They were called separatists. They eventually moved to uh, Holland, where they practiced for a time, and then came to the New World, where they uh, they come to Plymouth Rock. And, and uh, a number, more than half or nearly half their number died the first winter they were here. And yet they decided to institute a day of Thanksgiving through all the difficulty to give thanks to God for 
his blessings upon them. So you have a direct Christian founding, uh, a a direct Christian settling of this nation. And we shouldn't separate the two. I think a lot of modern historians uh, see the, the, the pilgrims coming to settle America and the founders in Philadelphia as completely different entities. They're not completely different entities. There's an organic growth from one to the other that you find uh, and a continuity all the way through. And so the, the founders, the, the, the writing that they quoted the most out of everything that they quoted from was scripture. Uh, they, they relied more on biblical quotations than any other quotations in all of their writings. Absolutely. And to see the influence of uh, Jesus Christ, uh, it, the proof is in the pudding. You look at the, the founding documents, you, you just mentioned the settling uh, in the 17th century. You look at the Mayflower Compact. It clearly right. states uh, why this nation is being founded, why this land is being settled on, uh, that it's being dedicated for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yep. Uh, you skip ahead another hundred years later, and as the founders are sitting in Philadelphia and they're crafting uh, the uh, documents that would, uh, yeah, our constitution, the Declaration of Independence, it is uh, it, all over the place. You can see uh, the influence of Christianity, this idea of uh, the providential hand of God, uh, this idea that um, uh, all of the freedoms ultimately come uh, from the hand of God. And uh, you just see the, the influence and the impact, uh, whether you travel throughout New England, you travel throughout Philadelphia, you go today to our nation's capital, there is scripture all over the place. Uh, our good friend Stephen Mansfield says yeah. uh, that Washington, D.C. preaches the gospel mm. of Jesus Christ uh, because it's inevitable. Wherever you turn, you see the impact and influence of Christianity on the settling of this nation, the eventual founding of this nation as a constitutional uh, republic. And I think, as you just mentioned, it is so important for our listeners and the Church of Jesus Christ. Christ today in the 21st century to understand the Christian influence and impact on America, because as we have been told, unfortunately, uh, in this secular age, uh, that no, it was a bunch of secularists that uh, uh, founded this nation, a bunch of deists that had uh, no regard for uh, the providential hand of God. Uh, they weren't thinking about Christianity or the impact and influence of Jesus Christ. Uh, but uh, the, the facts don't lie. History tells a much different story. And it was the, once again, the impact and influence of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ uh, that made uh, the greatest mark on this country 250 years ago. Amen. And this is extremely important, not only so that we can say, hey, you're you're not giving a fair shake to the influence of Christianity. Here's what our faith has done. But it's also, uh, it's vital to where we're going because if the foundation truly was uh, comprised of theological truths and theological ideas, then ridding ourselves of those is to erode the foundation. And that's exactly what we see happening around us. Uh, you know, George Washington famously uh, said that our country was made for a moral and religious people. Uh, our constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate to the governance of any other, of any other kind of people. And so uh, you're, you're actually destroying the foundation. Well, of course, then the structures of that foundation are, are going to collapse. One of the most important things that, that undergirded all of it was the idea that 
if we are going to be self-governing, there has to be something in us that governs us um, and that mankind is inherently sinful. And and so we have to balance and stretch out power. Talk about that a little bit, because that's really a key to the American system of government. And it, it's directly all the utopian systems, communism and socialism and so forth, posit the inherent goodness of mankind. And they say, so we can make a perfect society where man is perfectible. Sure, we may have to break a few eggs. We may have to kill a few million here, a few million there to sort of make it what we want it to be, but we can mold it into perfect society. It's the founding ideal that said, no, mankind is inherently sinful. And they took that and made us into the freest nation that the earth has ever known. Absolutely. So where does this idea of an inherent sin and inherent evil in humankind come from? from. It came from the doctrine of total depravity. Yeah. It came from this idea that in Genesis chapter three, we rebelled against God and we have been suffering the consequences for it ever since. And because humanity is sinful and uh, prone to all kinds of evil, our founders understood that there needs to be a series of checks and balances at the highest levels of government and the lowest levels of government, because we realize that we ultimately answer to God, but we need to have checks and balances in order to uh, in order for this constitutional republic to flourish because we are prone to all kinds of evil uh, but if it wasn't for the Christian theological framework and the doctrine of the total depravity uh, we would have never had these checks and balances in place it's and as you said why it's led to uh, the uh, American exceptionalism over 250 years because we rejected the utopian idea uh, that man is inherently good we've rejected the idea that we are autonomous creatures, uh, but instead recognize that we, uh, with that we are subservient to a sovereign God, uh, but also, uh, that we are sinful and evil and we need to have the checks and balances in place in order to have a flourishing society. I think it's also important to recognize that I believe it was Augustine who said that if you want to understand a society or a nation, understand what is their chief love. Mm. Our chief love as Americans has always been liberty, yeah. principled liberty. The question is, where does that liberty come from? The founder said, in order to have liberty, you need to have an absolute morality or a common morality that's shared amongst the people. Where does that absolute common morality come from? It comes from this idea of faith, faith in a God, a providential God that gives us a common morality that leads to principled liberty. And it's all right there in the Declaration of Independence that uh, we are created equal and that our rights come from God, that we are uh, created uh, and endowed by our creator with the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, so you remove the source and all you have is the exercise of power. And The founders realized this, so they built a free system. We're losing that. And so now we're back to just the exercise of power. Whoever can get the reins of power gets to have their way and and gets to strong arm everybody else and and the 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 pilgrims when they came the, the the great historian Donald Lutz the constitutional historian talked about this that uh, they they brought a number of different technologies with them but the greatest technology he said that they brought with them was the covenant they brought with them a covenant and as you pointed out the the Mayflower compact compact right out of the gate is in the form of a covenant yep uh, in, not a contract no a covenant, a covenant. Big distinction yeah in the name of God Amen and we have a covenantal form of government we have 
representatives who are, are who are our our uh, our federal heads, if you will, our federal representatives in Washington D.C. who are there to represent us, and and so you have this covenantal form of government, but losing the the foundation of it, we're losing all of it, and it, again, it just becomes a battle for power, which is what we see now. As a Presbyterian minister, I often like to point out that it's a Presbyterian form uh, of government, this representative government. It, in fact, it was King George the Third uh, that called the American Revolution the Great Presbyterian Rebellion. Yeah. He understood the impact that men like John Knox and the Church of Scotland and the, the the Presbyterian Revolution there in Scotland and the influence of the Protestant Reformation had on the founding of America. And the, the bottom line, I, I hope our audience takes this one thing away, particularly about America's founding and the impact of Christianity, that uh, it is not opinion, but it is fact uh, that Christianity had by far the greatest influence and impact on the founding of this great nation. I think going back to that concept of if we want to preserve liberty, principled liberty in America, it can't be done without a common morality. It can't be done without faith uh, being exercised freely as the First Amendment allows us to. Uh, all of that coming from uh, Christianity and the influence of Jesus Christ. John, I mean, we could go on for hours. I mean, we're just, uh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. We've covered science, we've covered education, we've covered America's founding, but we could talk about uh, women's rights. We mm -hmm. could talk about orphanages being established. We could talk about the impact on music and the arts. Yeah, health care. Uh, health care, all of the things that we enjoy in the, in, in the West are all a result of the impact and the influence of one single birth that happened 2,000 years ago. Uh, but I think it, it, we'd be amiss if we didn't, didn't mention uh, one of the greatest impacts on civilization of the birth of Jesus Christ, and that is the hope of redemption, mm -hmm. uh, that ultimately uh, we are sinners uh, with no hope in this life or the life to come if it is not for uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. And we are told in the book of Galatians that God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were born under the law. It was Jesus Christ coming into the world, uh, coming uh, born of a virgin, fully God and fully man, uh, to live the perfect life for us, uh, to die on the cross for our sins, uh, to be raised from the dead on the third day, and, off, and the one who offers salvation to all those who believe. If it was not for the birth of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, there is no hope of redemption. There is no hope of salvation. And uh, this is uh, the great hope uh, that Jesus Christ brings. This is the great hope of Christmas. If Jesus had never been born, uh, there is no hope of salvation. There is no hope of eternal life. That's exactly right. And he did come into the world telling us to teach the nations all that he has commanded. Uh, he makes a concrete difference in the world around us. The world is a much different and a much better place because Jesus entered into it. And then his spirit working through his followers has made a tangible difference in the world. But the reality is we're all going to die someday. And all of it is for naught if we don't have that eternal redemption that Jesus came to the earth to secure on our behalf by going to the cross in your place, in my place, in the place of all of those who put their faith in him, suffering the punishment that was due sin and living that perfect life, that perfectly obedient life that we failed to live, that's credited to us, that's given to us as a free gift by faith in Christ. 
That's what we celebrate in, at Christmas. If Jesus had never been born, there would be no redemption. Whatever kind of life you and I lived, it would end in the grave, and that would be the end of it, or in the punishments of hell. But because Jesus lived, you and I can have fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in eternity, forever, which is uh, an astounding thing that he undertook on our behalf. Amen and amen. And and now the message, uh, you know, for those that have been redeemed, those that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Let's go out and share this good news. Let's, let's go out and share the good news of uh, the greatest man who ever lived. Uh, and then from there, uh, continue to teach people and share uh, how this good news uh, not only shapes human souls and redeems individuals, but also has shaped uh, Western civilization. I don't do not think it's an understatement, but this world would be unrecognizable yes. if it was not for the birth of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. Uh, He came to transform this world spiritually and physically, and in between the two advents of Jesus Christ, uh, it is our job through the Great Commission and the cultural mandate uh, to share the good news of the gospel, but also to declare uh, the lordship of Jesus Christ over this world, because uh, this world would still be in the dark ages if it was not for uh, the light that came into the world uh, through the birth of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Amen. And if you don't believe that, all you have to do is look at places now where the gospel still hasn't really penetrated and see the difference. It's evident even to the naked eye today in 2023 heading into 2024. Yep. Thanks, John. And that's all the time we have today on the City of God podcast. If you've been blessed by this conversation, talking about the reality, impact, and influence of Jesus Christ and his birth, we pray that you would uh, consider passing this along to family, friends, maybe college students that are wrestling with the reality and the impact of Jesus Christ and his birth. Uh, We pray that you would tune in next time. And I pray that in between the times that we meet together here on the City of God podcast, may God richly bless you. The City of God podcast is produced by Coral Ridge Ministries and made in partnership with the Institute for Faith and Culture. Visit us at cityofgodpodcast.com to access all of our previous episodes. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or anywhere you get podcasts. A full video version of this podcast is available on YouTube. This is the City of God podcast where Christ meets culture.